Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Veteran cultural guru Selwyn Klaas has just reached a milestone, the biblical three score and ten. Today he joins me to reflect on a career filled with music, entertainment and travel. Selwyn, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for that lovely introduction. Uh, I feel much younger now. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, yes, Mazel Tov on your birthday. Thank you. That was last Saturday. Uh, and uh, so I'm still getting into the feeling of it all. <laughs> <laughs> so and where did it all start? The most extraordinary thing is, you know, we all have a hobby. And my hobby was to write reviews. I'd come back from the movie or the theater and I'd sit down and write a review of my impressions in a very sort of childlike way, but nevertheless, the Sunday Times were running a competition at the time, inviting young potential journalists slash critics to submit their reviews, their comments, on something cultural that they'd experienced. And at the time, the biggie was Cleopatra. Uh-huh. And I mean, I wrote extraordinarily bizarre things about it in the sense that I didn't understand half what I was saying, (laughs) but I felt that I had to be over the top because certainly the film was over the top, and I won the prize. So I thought there's something about, you know, we're all given signs, but how many of us recognize them? And I felt that Hashem had given me this blessing that I can be creative with words and music and a voice in terms of intonation, and that should be my career. And uh, as they say in showbiz, I'm still here. <laughs> um, so when you, you talk about seeing the sign and winning a competition, but what what to, to make the dots and then to actually follow your dream is something different. Quite, quite different. I actually joined, almost 50 years ago I've been in the business, I joined Stair Films before the merger with Kinecore, as their graphic designer, and I never realized in creating for them a logo that resembled an Oscar statuette with the stare, the star symbol, superimposed, uh, which was used for all the uh, Oscar-nominated films and the award winners, that I would actually, five years later, be at the Academy Awards Mm -hmm. in my own right and as a correspondent for South Africa. And that uh, wonderful opportunity, Stair Films had uh, taken the initiative of creating what they called a city just for fun. Hmm. And they had multiple cinema houses within this complex called Stair City and Claim Street, and there was Stair Lunt in Pretoria. And they weren't boxes, They were actually almost like plush picture palaces. So you sat in a 1,000-seater to see um, Funny Girl. And, I mean, there was Barbara Streisand winning the Academy Award and tying with Catherine Hepburn, the doyen of cinema. And it had never happened before. And I thought, wow, I've got to get to Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) And what was it like? What was it like being at the Oscars? Initially, the first year that I was included, I went as a guest of a correspondent of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, and obviously I had to earn my stripes, and I wrote several articles on my impressions of the Academy Awards, 
And this was televised, of course, and you had to be at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, which was downtown L.A. In those days, it was like the music center, marble, mirrored, chandeliers, opulence personified. It was exquisite. And the Academy Awards is longer than Gone with the Wind. I mean, you know, <laughs> almost four hours in those days. But from uh, sitting in the audience and watching them create the lineup of the next item on the agenda was thrilling. And... Obviously, I had done something right because the Academy, and it arrived on my birthday, uh, the 17th of February, it said uh, that based on the, re the reaction from the board members of your coverage of, I think it was the 74th Academy Award, you are invited uh, to be a correspondent backstage. And that mm. was even more exciting because they fed us as if, you know, there was no tomorrow. And the most exciting thing was to actually interview stars coming off the stage uh, and with the Oscars still hot in their palm, as it were, and you sense the adrenaline, you sense the excitement, and to be with the only South African at the time amongst these correspondents from all over the world, I mean, that in itself was a privilege. And I still have my press badge and, of course, my Academy Award program. Wow. And then afterwards, uh, the Governor's Ball, where you meet the who's who, and to have your Oscar program absolutely littered with irreplaceable autographs. You know, with Fred Astaire dancing around the Oscar statue with Elizabeth Taylor. Name them, they were there. Ingrid Bergman, she is my best. I was going to say, do you have a, fa a favorite? Yes. Was that because the, the highlight? I, I, yes, because I met her in London early 70s and you know, she would go on to star in uh, as Golda Meir as you know in the miniseries but she was appearing in a George Bernard Shaw play in London called Captain Brassbound's Conversion and being with Stair Films at the time I went up to the stage door afterwards I'm standing in the drizzle you know <laughs> you know those tiny little passageways alleyways you know hoping I wouldn't be mugged <laughs> waiting you know, with bated breath uh, for the um stage door to open and uh, there was Ingrid Bergman I'd given the manager my program with a matchbox calling card in those days instead of having a business card you had a little matchbox with the star logo on it and stair films and all the particulars of who I was and there she was noting the correct spelling on the matchbox and signing the her program my program uh, and uh, I could not believe that she would have even the courtesy of doing that and tall, imposing, statuesque, I never forget, in a red trench coat with epaulettes and gold buttons and um, extraordinary. And I, I said to Miss Bergman that I'm from South Africa and the films that we are releasing lured you back to the screen. I remember it was called A Walk in the Spring Rain with um, uh, with uh, Anthony Quinn. One day I would be his publicist. So that's another story. And she said, all South Africa, they love my movies. We had a bit of a conversation because uh, there was a season of the greats, uh, including, of course, Casablanca, showing at Leicester Square. And flash forward, there I am at the Academy Awards, and I went up to her afterwards. She won her third Oscar, Murder on the Orient Express, the original one, in a supporting role. And I said, Miss Berkman, I wonder if you recall that I met you in London, total chutzpah, <laughs> you know, Captain Brassbounds, a matchbox calling card. She said, Stern, the German for star. I still have it. 
I thought, my goodness, there she, her dressing room table, you know, with a million souvenirs. And uh, yet, from a memorabilia point of view, uh, that reflection absolutely sealed it. So I've got her autograph twice. (laughs) Selwyn, you also became very involved in the world of film. Indeed. And Mm. you opened up the preview theatre at Bagleyston, which is when I met you for the first time. And I remember so clearly watching two movies. It must have been a Dutch film festival because both were... Correct. We did do a Dutch film festival. And I'd just come back from living in the Netherlands, so I was, like, passionate. Um, Tell me about your life in that theatre. Was it very exciting? Well, the the late uh, Italo Benicchi created this... uh, mini movie house attached to his home and because he was the manager owner of so many of those uh, non-mainstream movie houses the the art houses as they were termed in those days the um, victory in orange grove there was the uh, they called it afterwards the uh, the avenue um, in norwood and he was able to access when they went through a metamorphosis, as it were, to get hold of the, the original carpeting from the victory with the, the players' masks, and that was uh, what uh, formed the basis of our um, floor <laughs> in, at the, the, the pre- preview theatre. These wonderful plush chairs <laughs> from the uh, days when you went to the movies, and it was an occasion, it was a, an outing, and you dressed, and... He said, let's create the way it was. And uh, with the African Mirror Newsreel, which was part of the supporting program, and all the things that come from my youth uh, or even childhood, because my late dad had a business close to the empire, which stood on Commissioner Street. And the uh, Commissioner Street was like our Broadway or in terms of the the picture palaces, His Majesty's, the Colosseum, and up the road was the 20th century, and around the corner was the Monte Carlo. They were all in that precinct. And uh, the the high on the agenda was when uh, we were kids. My brother and I would go to Dad at lunchtime for lunch, and then a matinee um, with his secretary would take us to the Empire. Now, can you imagine as a kid growing up in that environment? Obviously, it's going to touch me in terms of, yes, movies are wonderful opportunities to bring people mutually together. Music and movies and music. I mean, in India, Bollywood, this huge sort of uh, recreation of the Hollywood era that was, casts of thousands, and you suddenly plunge the stagnant moment into song and dance routines. I mean, with that amount of people, keep them off the street. (laughs) And um, it works. They go on for hours. There's an intermission. And so, um, yes, and you don't have to understand the the Hindi, uh, but it's just the the word pictures. And I've been to film festivals all over the world. And without subtitles or intertitle, as it were, yeah. and uh, it was—it's uh, always an eye opener that you're laughing at the same time that you're reveling in the thrill of that magical moment at the movies, and the small screen can never capture that. 
even in HD. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. There is a magic about a movie, and a, and a strong, powerful movie can stay with you forever. So when you mentioned India, yes, you have traveled there and you've met the first Jews who were thought to come at the time of King Solomon. Do you want to share that experience? Yes, these are called the Cochin community. Uh, it comes from the derivative Kochi, which means a small place. And Cochin was um, by and large and still is a harbor. And so, obviously, those merchant uh, ships that would bring that cargo that uh, of, of exotic spices from the east does lay uh, claim to uh, the tradition that Jews arrived in the principality is called Kerala aboard King Solomon's merchant fleet. Hmm. And that's by no means impossible when traces of Malabar teak were identified in the ruins of Ur, and that by the, the biblical uh, connotation of where um, Abraham first dwelt, and um, the, the Babylonian city, in other words. And there's further theory that the Cochin Jews were taken to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And from a timely point of view, India, Hordu in Hindi, is mentioned in the book of Esther. Right. So, um, wow. the, the, yes, the lineage is there. And um, many of the Cochin community believe that um, their forefathers, at least 10,000 of them, fled from Palestine after the destruction of the Second Temple. So there's always an kinship to the source. And the extraordinary thought, and I was showing you that India honored this community. It was the 400th anniversary mm. of uh, the synagogue still being in existence, like a living museum, mm. and a special commemorative stamp was issued. Wow. And the actual um, extraordinary mystical connection of me encountering the Cochin community came about just by chance. I was actually sent to India. Uh, in those days, the SABC had a religious channel, and I was going to do something about the Jewish involvement in India. And because, I mean, you've got the B'nai Yisrael, which are the Jews who live in um, what was Bombay, now Mumbai, and even the gateway is within sight of the synagogue, known as B'nai Yisrael, and, and their booklet this call call Bombay in those days, <laughs> the voice of Bombay. And and so um, the connection, the kinship is there. My point being is that um, I had uh, problems in Bombay to get hold of a cameraman and one thing or another. And I was coming back to Bombay, so it was like bookends of my visit. And I got onto a flight from Bangalore to Goa. Goa has a huge Portuguese connection, and even that comes through because Kochi is actually a Portuguese derivative of small place. Oh. And my point is that I was in a, on an overbooked flight, so people were put wherever the, there happened to be a seat. And a husband and wife were parted in the sense that the husband was seated next to me and the wife was a couple of rows up and rather distraught. And so um, the, uh, the fellow sitting next to the wife indicated, would I mind 
he came and sat next to me and so that the couple could be reunited. Yes. No problem. Anyway, we start chatting and I tell him my tale of woe that I needed a cameraman, one thing or another. And he said, have you ever heard of the Cochin community? And I said, tell me more. And we began to talk about this over lunch. And he said, I've just made a documentary called Next Year in Jerusalem. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, I was meant <laughs> to sit next to him. His name's Chetan Shah from Madras. When I got to Goa, I um, sent him all the material from the SABC and uh, all the uh, various um, affiliatives in order to get the um, clearance. And he uh, sent word back to me and that he would, um, we would get together in Mumbai and he would make sure that I had a copy of Next Year in Jerusalem. Mm. I brought back the footage. Aspects were shown on television. I gave a talk. We've shown it uh, at Biachad. We showed it for second innings. Um, maybe High FM might want me to do a screening for their listeners. So there's, there's extraordinary things about it. But the most extraordinary thing about the synagogue is that there's a rarity, a rarity in the sense of, yeah, I've brought a picture to show you. It's like the uh, a conductor's podium in the mm. middle of the bimmer, mm. in the middle of the synagogue on that floor, which mm. is made up of willow pattern delft plates, mm. and, and each one is individual. But the bimmer is also upstairs in the gallery mm. for the woman. The reason being that the word of the, the Torah, the law, can be closer to the woman. So here we are in the Me Too age, mm. and here women are giving <laughs> the, the right to worship in their own right. <laughs> so and we have literally run out of time, um, and we haven't even spoken about your touching shoulders with royalty. So I think um, we're going to have you back again. Wonderful. <laughs> um, I'm going to give your contact details out in Please case do. anybody would like to follow up with the screening of, of the movie. So if you'd like to get hold of Selwyn, you can do so at Selwyn, S-E-L-W-Y-N, class, K-L-A-S-S, at gmail.com. Selwyn, class, one word, obviously. Selwyn, class, one word. Perfect. Wonderful. Someone, thank you so much. It's been absolutely a thrill, as usual. <laughs>